um, as you know, we're, we're looking at the feasts um, of the Lord and we're looking at how we're finding, finding Jesus in the feasts. And um, we've been looking at the feasts in Leviticus 23. And so if you've been with us over the, uh, the last uh, five weeks, you'll know that's where, where we'll start from this morning. And we know that um, we've already seen in Leviticus 23, 4, that uh, God said that these are the feasts of the Lord, even holy convocations, which you shall proclaim in their seasons. You know, um, these weren't just holidays for the sake of having a day off work, okay? Um, the literal meaning of this passage is this, that the feasts were an appointment with God as a rehearsal for future events which will come at an appointed time. Okay, so they were set in place as something that would prepare us, and this was prepare us for something that God was going to do in the future. And he was going to do it at a certain time. And we know that over the last four weeks, we've been looking at, at four feasts that Jesus fulfilled when he first came 2,000 years ago. We had the Feast of Passover, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the Feast of First Fruits, and then last week, Pastor Steve shared on the Feast of Weeks. Okay? And all those were known as the Spring Feasts, which were fulfilled when Jesus came the first time. And you know, he not only fulfilled the prophetic requirements of those feasts, he fulfilled them at the appointed time, at the specific time that God had set down for them. And this gives me encouragement that God is just not a haphazard God, you know, and that God just doesn't do things, oh, like he thinks of them last minute and then does it. God actually has a plan. Do you believe that? God has a plan. Right from the beginning of time, God has had a plan for the entire universe and God has had a plan for you and for me. And we need to know that God will fulfill those plans in our life. And we need to um, submit ourselves to them and in faith outwork them in our life. Now we come to the last three which are known as the autumn feasts. And in autumn in the northern hemisphere is around September, October, okay? So just get that in your thinking. We're not talking about our autumn in, in March, April. We're, we're talking about the autumn in the northern hemisphere, which is around September, October. But, you know, autumn is also, in agricultural terms, uh, a time when the crop had finished being harvested and it was being brought in to be processed and stored. And when we look at the feast in that context, it sort of gives us a clue to the prophetic meaning of which these feasts um, direct us to. And so if you've got your Bibles, go to Leviticus 23, verse 23. Okay. If you haven't, just um, look up on the screen and you can follow the verses along there. And so the Lord said to Moses, Say to the Israelites, on the first day of the seventh month, you are to have a day of rest, a sacred assembly commemorated with trumpet blasts. Do no regular work, but present an offering made to the Lord by fire. Two verses outlining a feast. 
There's no actual name given to this feast, but it became known as the Feast of Trumpets. Why? Because they were to commemorate that day with trumpet blasts. Okay? And so it was a pretty noisy time. It was, a, it was pretty joyous and noisy. Um, you know, there was no secret about it. You knew when those feasts were occurring. They literally had to blow trumpets on that day. Now, trumpets are used in the Bible in a, a wide variety of, of times. And many of them we find in Numbers 10. Okay, so I've looked at this and, and seen that there's actually, you know, three major times when the trumpet is used uh, in the Old Testament. The first is when they wanted to assemble the people together. Okay, when they wanted to get the people to come together. All right, there was no group text messaging at that time. There was no Facebook events that said, come at this time. You knew that you had to come together when you heard a trumpet blast. Okay, you, you also know that um, some of the more traditional churches, how they have bell towers, okay? Um, you knew that uh, there was a gathering of church happening when you heard the bells go. That's why they had bell towers. You knew that when you heard those bells, it was, it was on, you came together, okay? I know in the islands, um, sometimes they've got like um, old gas tanks or, um, you know, old um, cylinders that they just get steel rods and belt them. And when you, when you hear the, the going, you know it's time to get together. All right? But in Israel, in the biblical times, it, it was trumpets. They blew the trumpets. And so you knew you had to come together. Like in Numbers verse 10, it said, Make two trumpets of hammered silver and use them for calling the community together. And in verse 7, um, God says, that, uh, that you blow the trumpets when you want to gather the assembly. So you blew the trumpet when you wanted to, to get the people together, okay? Another time it was used was when you were going into battle, when you are preparing yourself for battle. And in verse 9 it says, When you go into battle in the land, um, in your land against an enemy, sound the blast of the trumpets. So it was a battle cry. You know, you blew the trumpet and charge! You ever... You know, seen those scenes in the movies? It was a time that you went forward. It was a battle cry. Okay, and everyone yelled and it was like, uh, it's time to go. It was also used as part of celebrations. Okay, and in verse 10 you see of Numbers 10, Also at your times of rejoicing, your appointed feasts and new moon festivals, you are to sound the trumpets. Okay, so the trumpet was a fairly useful instrument it was a valuable instrument and this feast the feast of trumpets itself began a 10-day period all right it, so the feast of trumpets was on the first day and it began a 10-day period which will come to known as the days of awe can you say that days of awe Days of awe. You'll remember that more next week. Okay? And, and that, th those ten days were finished off by another feast called the Feast of Atonement. And we'll study that more next week. So you had the Feast of Trumpets, which started a ten-day period, which finished with the, day, uh, the Feast of Atonement. 
Now, there's a couple of things that I want to um, just make note of here. Okay. Leviticus 23, 23 tells us that it's the first day of the seventh month. Okay. It began on the first day of the month. The month was known as Tishri. Okay. And remembering that a biblical day in the Jewish um, time scale actually began at sunset. Okay. Not at 12 midnight. Actually, when the sun went down, that's when the new day began. All right. So let's keep that in mind. And the months were not based on the solar, um, the solar thing, <laughs> on the solar cycle. It was based on the lunar cycles, okay? So we, we base our months on the sun, okay? But the Hebrew calendar bases their months on the moon. So let's just get that in our thinking. And so the feast coincided with the new moon, okay? A night when the moon was the most obscured in the night sky. Therefore, it gave the least amount of light. It wasn't the full moon. It wasn't a quarter moon. It was the new moon. Now, who knows what the new moon looks like, okay? It's, it's just a very thin crescent, all right? It, you don't actually see much of it. And this is significant to remember because the Feast of Trumpets in the prophetic sense will herald in the second coming of Christ. The Bible, for example, says this in Matthew 24, 29. Immediately after the distress of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its lights. The stars will fall from the sky and the heavenly bodies will be shaken. At that time, say at that time, the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky and all the nations of the earth will mourn. They will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of the sky with great power and great glory. And he will send his angels with a loud trumpet call and they will gather his elect from the four winds from one end of the heavens to the other. With a loud trumpet call. My friends, when the trumpet call comes, we know something is about to happen. We know that the Son of Man is on his way. As we read on in Matthew 24, verses 36 and 42, we see actually the significance of the new moon, remembering that it is just a thin crescent. Okay? And it actually could be easily hidden by clouds or... You know, if the, cloud, uh, the night was a bit cloudy or anything, you could actually miss it. It actually, uh, the smart people, I suppose, of the day thought, well, you know what? It actually traditionally began to be held over two days. The reason being that they, they thought, well, if we miss it the first day, we'll surely get it the second day. Okay, that was just their reasoning. But God actually said, no, the first day of the month is the day. Okay, so that's how easily it could have been missed. And, and we need to keep this in mind because Jesus says this in Matthew, okay, 24, 36. He says, No one knows about that day or hour, not even the angels in heaven, 
nor the Son, but only the Father. As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. So he's talking about when Jesus comes back. He's relating it to the time when Noah was building his boat, when Noah was building the ark. Yeah, people were mocking him. Noah took a hundred years. We probably don't get the full grasp of that. A hundred years. Would you work on something for a hundred years in faith? Some of us are flat out working a hundred hours in faith when we don't see a result. It's true, isn't it? We laugh, but we give up after a hundred hours. But Noah was being mocked. Can you imagine? What are you building that thing for? It's never rained. What are you talking about rain? What's rain? And people will mock you for your faith because you believe that Jesus is coming back. But in faith, we know that he's coming back, don't we? We know he's coming back. That's the hope we have in our heart and in our faith. We know one day that trumpet will sound. And we just can't keep on going, you know, just eating and drinking and being merry for tomorrow we die. That's not the attitude. That's the attitude of the world, but it's not our attitude. And Jesus is saying here in Matthew, don't be like the guys uh, in the day of Noah. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage up to the day Noah entered the ark. And they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. In other words, when it was too late. And that is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. In verse 42, Therefore, keep watch, for you do not know the hour or the day your Lord will come. So I suppose I want to encourage us in this. Yes, let's live life. Let's live it to the full. Let's live it in the way that the Bible shows us to live it and God has instructed us to live. But let's not be ignorant people that Jesus will come back. He could come back in a few weeks' time. He might come back in a few decades' time. Who knows? Who knows? They've been expecting the return of Christ from the day he ascended into heaven in Acts 1. All this to say, be mindful and keep watch. Don't be ignorant of the fact that Jesus will come back. My friends, if he has fulfilled the first four feasts, he will fulfill the last three. You can be assured of that. We also know the descriptions given about this day. If you go to Joel chapter 2 verse 1, Joel says this. Blow the trumpet in Zion. Sound the alarm on my holy hill. Let all who live in the land tremble, for the day of the Lord is coming. It is close at hand. In verse 11. The Lord thunders at the head of his army. His forces are beyond number, and mighty are those who obey his command. The day of the Lord is great, it is dreadful. Who can endure it? What a description of that day. 
I love the imagery. I love the imagery. The Lord thunders at the head of his army. His forces are beyond number. In Acts 2, verse 20, we know the, uh, the sermon that Peter gave uh, when, on the day of Pentecost. And Peter actually refers to Joel chapter 2. And he has a slightly different take on this. And Peter says this, The sun will be turned to darkness, the moon to blood, before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Isn't it interesting? Joel refers it to a, a great and dreadful day. Peter refers it to it as a great and glorious day. So I want to ask the question. When I read this, I asked myself the question. Did Peter misquote it? Did Peter not know the scripture and just said whatever popped into his mind? Or was actually Peter divinely inspired? to share what he did and as I thought about this I thought well hang on a sec who are the audiences that these two men are talking to who was Joel talking to who was Joel talking to the nation of Israel he was talking to the Israelites he was saying the day is coming and it will be glorious and it will be dreadful Peter is talking to a crowd of people on the day of Pentecost. Holy Spirit had, had descended. They were filled with Holy Ghost. And Peter was just speaking a divine message. And he was speaking to those that would birth the church. And he said, the day of the Lord will be great and it will be glorious. You have Joel speaking to the Israelites saying it will be great and dreadful. You have Peter speaking to the church saying it would be great and glorious. For the church, the day of the Lord will be great and glorious. And you know why? Because the bridegroom will be coming for his bride. Praise the Lord. What a day. Who's ever been to a wedding? Yeah? Come on. Yeah? You've been to a wedding. I don't know about you, but when I stood and waited for my bride as she was coming towards me, that was a glorious day. Come on, man, who can identify with that? Yeah? A glorious day. No, come on, none of this. The marriage of the Lamb of God with his bride is a glorious day when they come together, when we are reunited with our bridegroom. Again, in Joel, in verse 15, he says, Blow the trumpet in Zion. This trumpet's getting a workout, eh? Declare a holy fast. Call a sacred assembly. Gather the people, consecrate the assembly, bring together the elders, gather the children, those nursing the breast. Let the bridegroom leave his room and the bride her chamber. Joel was speaking 
to the nation of Israel. And in his book, The Feast of the Lord, Kevin Howard says this, The Feast of Trumpets is Israel's dark day. Israel's prophets warned them of a coming dark day of judgment. They knew it as that terrible period of time at the end of this age when the Lord will pour out his fiery judgment. The day of the Lord will be a time when the Lord pours out his wrath not only upon Israel's enemies but upon Israel herself to bring her to repentance and into the new covenant. One point needs to be made clear. That it's not only Israel who will dread this day. It will be anyone who has not given their life and come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. The day of wrath. The day of the Lord is called the day of wrath. And for good reasons. Yes, God is a loving God. But he is a just God as well. Here's some other points to consider. The Feast of Trumpets was called, the beginning, uh, was called at the beginning of the seventh month, remembering that the number seven last week, what did we re remember about last week? The number seven is, it is completion. It comes to completion. The number seven means complete. When Jesus returns, the harvest of souls will be complete. The age of the church will be finished. Here's another thing to remember. Although in the Hebrew calendar, the seventh month Tishri was a seventh month, it was actually considered the start of the new year. We're not going there. I don't know the reasoning. We're not going to discuss that at the moment. But it was, became known as the start of the new year for the nation of Israel. It was a fresh start, a chance to put behind the previous year with all its regrets and failures and look forward to the new year ahead. We do that on New Year's Eve, don't we? We sort of say, well, that year's done. Some good things happen. Some things, eh, pretty ordinary. But this new year, it's going to be much better. We have that hope for the new year, don't we? We have that. And also, the Feast of Trumpets began a 10-day period, which I alluded to before, of reflection. It became known as the Days of Awe. That sounds good, doesn't it? The Days of Awe. People were to reflect upon their life during these days. And we're going to talk about more of that next week. I'm looking forward to that one. So what purpose will be served by the blowing of the trumpet? Well, firstly, it will gather together an assembly to the Lord. Remember, the trumpet was used to gather the people. Okay? We come together. All right. On that day, when we hear the trumpet blast, the church will be raptured. In other words, the righteous in Christ will be gathered to him and delivered from the wrath to come. Now, you, you all know what wrath is, don't you? You all know what wrath is? Sometimes we assume, you know, Christianese, we assume everyone knows what wrath is. But wrath is basically fiery judgment nothing is going to be withheld god needs to judge sin god needs to judge sin 1 Thessalonians 1 9 
They tell how you turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus who rescues us from the coming wrath. 1 Thessalonians 5.9 For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, so you either got Jesus Christ or you got wrath coming. There's no in-between. It is that clear-cut. And it is a challenge, isn't it, if we know of people, especially ones that we love that are dear to us, that have not come to the Lord Jesus. Romans 5.8 says, God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? So the trumpet will sound the gathering of the saints. The righteous dead will be rescued and the living will be gathered. As it says in Matthew 24. I know there's a lot of scripture here, guys, but you'll go through them again um, in your group studies. So get along to one. All right. And he will send his angels with a loud trumpet call. And they will gather his elect from the four winds, one end of heaven to the other. 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 and 17 for the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command and with the voice of the archangel and with the what? Of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. And after that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Hallelujah. Does that stir the spirit? Eh? Is that something to look forward to? Praise the Lord. And my friends, what else was the trumpet used for? It was a battle cry. It was a battle cry. And it will be God's battle cry. The trumpet blast will draw to a close man's rebellion and usher in God's kingdom. It will begin the great day of wrath against Satan and his demons and this wicked world. As it says in Revelation 11.15, The seventh angel sounded his trumpet, and there were loud voices in heaven which said, The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he will reign forever and ever. And the 24 elders who were seated on their thrones before God fell on their faces and worshipped God, saying, We give thanks to you, Lord God Almighty, the one who is and who was, because you have taken your great power and have begun to reign. The nations were angry and your wrath has come. The time has come for judging the dead and for rewarding your servants, the prophets and your saints. Who's a saint? All who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, okay? And those who reverence your name, both great and small, and for destroying those who destroy the earth. Hallelujah. A great battle. A great battle. Because God has to judge sin. He has to judge it. He has to bring it into submission and to conquer it once and for all. You know, we find Jesus in the Feast of Trumpets as the all-conquering king who will return to take possession of his bride, the church, you see, the first time he came, he came to suffer a cruel death. 
so that we would have forgiveness of sin. The next time he returns, he returns to rule and to reign and we, his bride, the church, will rule and reign with him. And yet the day approaches and we look forward to it and we anticipate it and we set ourselves like a compass facing north towards it in great expectation. But my friends, we are still in the harvest. We are still in the harvest. That day will come, but we are still in the harvest. And we still need to continue to go into all the world and preach the good news and make disciples and baptize those that believe and teach them to obey all that Jesus has commanded us to do. The work is still at hand. It is still at hand. So let me leave you with this encouragement from 1 Corinthians 15 and 51. Listen. Listen. You listening? I will tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound. The dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O oh death, is your victory? Where, O oh death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Therefore, my dear brothers, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Paul in Corinthians is saying, Friends, this day will come. This day will come. We will be changed. We will meet with the Lord and all these things will come true. He says there, but give yourself fully to the work in the meantime. Don't sit there or stand there twiddling your thumbs. You remember the story in Acts 1 when Jesus ascended and the guys were just, oh, wow. And then two angels come up and said, what are you guys looking at? Don't just stand there. He'll come back like you've just seen him go. But get on about your business. God, he's given you work to do. Go and do it. Don't just stare up into the sky. Get your head down, bum up, and go for it. There's a work to do, amen? There's still a city out there. There's 20-odd thousand people in, our, in 10 kilometers here, radius, that need to know Jesus Christ. Do you want them to suffer his wrath or to be part of his salvation? That's the challenge. We can leave that and say, oh, well, someone else will do it. We can leave that and say, well, I'm not an evangelist. We're not talking about being an evangelist. We're just saying, be who God has created you to be. Be who God has created you to be and share the good news with people.
praise the Lord. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord. Father, we thank you that in your word, in your word, we can look forward and know in total confidence that the day is coming when you will return. Because you have promised it, my Lord, and we know it will come true. For all your promises are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. So, Father, I thank you that even in, in these scriptures that we've read about today, we know, Lord, that there will be a day when the trumpet will sound, and that will be a great and glorious day. But, Lord, we pray, even now, for the laborers. Lord, to those that are in the harvest field, those that want to enter the harvest field, Lord, we pray for them. Let their spirits be stirred. Lord, let us have opportunity to share the good news. Father, Holy Spirit, just set upon our heart the importance of what you have called us to do. Not to be sit back and content that we are saved, but that we must bring many others with us. So, Lord, we thank you for this time. We thank you, Lord, for the fellowship, Lord, of, of the Holy Spirit and of each other. And, Lord, we just pray that this week will be a great week. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you.